Hey, welcome to uh, Live from America podcast. This is Hatem, along with Mr. Norm Dorman, the owner of the legendary comedy cellar in New York City and Vegas that will be opening very soon. Uh, comedian Brandon Lemon, how you doing? The, the host hey. of uh, Madness Continues podcast. First time in the show. Welcome, brother. What up? And one of my favorite comedians of all time, Marina Ooh. Franklin. She's so funny. Uh, you can watch her um, special single black female. Ooh, and, that was uh, a lot for you. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, <laughs> I always forget if it's single female and black or single black female. I single, think that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and she is uh, the host of uh, the hit podcast, Friends Like Us. Uh, not like me and her, like us, because I've never been in her show. But it's a great show. <laughs> <laughs> and our guest of honor, Michaela Nichols. She's a model, speaker, and at 22, she's the best-selling author of Blatantly Honest, uh, Normal Teen, Abnormal Life. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, you I'm, just gonna, I'm just going to Google it because I don't understand what you're saying. So. <laughs> you can hear me? <laughs> no? can, can, can you repeat the name of the, the book, Michaela? So, so, it's, uh, it's Blatantly Honest. It's right here. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so uh, bullies not only exist in school, sometimes they exist in podcasts. Uh, am I right? <laughs> I don't know. I guess we're going to find out. <laughs> we have one here. Um, his name is Noam Dorman. Uh, I know him for a while, and he's been bullying me on and off the field. Anyway, Michaela, welcome to the show. Uh, how does it feel to be a bestseller at 20? Actually, what you were, how old were you when you released the book? I was 18, so I was a little, a little young in. It was, it was weird. I never thought I was going to write a book, but um, I did. And uh, so, yeah, still, still trying to process it. And this is based on your personal life? You were bullied? It when is. You were younger? Yeah. Yep. Went through a lot in a short amount of time and uh, thought that writing was going to help everyone and help me. And so it really got me through it. So then it became a book. And now my story's public. Uh, can, it's kind of embarrassing at points, but you know, whatever. Did you meant for it to be that, that public? Mm -hmm. No, um, it was kind of like my, my diary. I was pretty frustrated with the world. So I was like, I'm just going to write it down. And then someone's like, hey, Michaela, you should write a book with it. And I was like, oh my God, no. And um, then I did. And here we are. So now my journal's public. Wow. Marina, Marina have you been bullied before? Or well, bullied some? My, my first half of my comedy career was all about being bullied. It was about growing up in a, in a white neighborhood and then moving to a black neighborhood in both situations. I was bullied in both. The joke is, because I don't do it anymore, so I could just lay it out for you. Um, <laughs> the joke is that I, um, I, grew, I grew up in a white neighborhood. I was the only black kid there. And then when I moved to a white neighborhood, it was too late. Uh, I was, wait, oh boy, it's been a while. Yeah, we'll moved, to to a, break. <laughs> moved to a <laughs> white <laughs> neighborhood. No, moved to a black neighborhood and I was the only white kid there. But it was like, <laughs> yes, finally. I could, it's been a while since I've done jokes like that. But this is like, this is like my nightmare lately is that I forget my bits. <laughs> and yeah. how, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really difficult. But the thing is, is that was, that material resonated internationally more so than any of the material I'm doing now all mm. about and I didn't even know I was talking about being bullied but that is exactly what it was so uh -huh. thank you Mac so how, so what's, 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 what's the difference between um black on black bullying and white on black bullying 
We can talk about black on black bullying, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we got it. We all got it, Marina. I know, I'm so slow. I'm sorry to make jokes because actually it's an interesting, it's a question, I'm, it's a serious question I'm interested to know the answer to. So go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's the difference I would say is white people have more markers and paint <laughs> they can <laughs> they can go like they they draw things on your garage and stuff you know but um yeah i would say that's pretty much that is pretty true though i mean like the, the kids like when i was a kid the white kids would say things on a bus like you know going to school like if you were in the school, they would kind of leave you alone, but they would do it on the bus. In, in, on the south side of Chicago, it was mostly like, it was all the time. It was at school, it was after school, and it was, phys it was more physical. It was definitely like, if you don't do this, I'm gonna kick your ass. Oh, really? so, so Marina, I mean, I don't, I don't wanna, the, you painted a picture, but I don't know if it's correct, which is that they were kind of bullying you for acting white or something or being white-ish. Yeah, yeah. like when I moved from Highland Park, Illinois, which is, you know, I was there until eight years of my life. So, yeah, I was basically, I was culturally, like, almost dropped my coffee. Um, <laughs> I was culturally, I guess you could say white, because that was until I was about nine. And then, yeah, on the south side of Chicago, those kids thought I talked white. They thought I acted white. They thought I was weird. Um, what does culturally white mean? How would you describe that? Or what, are they, what cues do they pick up on? That look My voice. That you were, your voice. I mean, have, I, you, have you heard Marina's voicemail? No, no. Like I'm, it's, I'm, it's so white. But, but, <laughs> is it, but what else? Was it, is there, I mean, it's so really, white. Hi, you've reached Marina. I'm just busy putting money in my 401k. But. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is really a, a serious and important, I think. I mean, this is what's going on in the world today. So I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to know. I mean, what this is about what well i think what when i look back at it now and then i guess i would like to hear from matt because i want to hear your story but for me when i look back at it now i think i understand what those they were kids and the south side of chicago or chicago is very segregated like there are no white people in black spaces there are no black people in white spaces so for those kids in a black neighborhood to see me behaving, talking the way their parents were saying, we hate, we hate, because there was hate for white people on the South side. There was no like in between. It was just like, we don't like hunkies. I miss the word hunky, by the way. <laughs> uh, should bring it back. It's a, it's a fun one. It is. It's so much fun. Um, but yeah, they didn't like hunkies. And there was one white kid at my school that, they did, they threw rocks at him like every day. And if he hated black people, I don't, wouldn't blame him. I mean, they threw rocks at him and he, I would just still see him diving and just it was horrible. But yeah. the way they treated me was, I did think they, I- Did they tell you you throw like a girl? <laughs> what it, you know what would be really ironic? It'd be really ironic if that kid turns in, turned into an international dodgeball champion. Based on his... I hope so. It was really sad. I mean, but I will say this. I do understand those kids because yeah. when I think back, how scary that was to see someone that looked like them, but didn't talk like them and acted like the enemy. 
you know, mm-hmm. they're just kids trying to process it. So it did make sense in a way. But I was still at that age, still kind of a comic at heart. So I used to do that. I used to impersonate. I was kind of like Richard Pryor, like walking into the jail, like, hey, man, what's going on? Man? <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, what's up? And, you know, I, ch- I learned double Dutch uh, so that I could play all kinds mm-hmm. of things. And I started a fight. Cause I was like, it's just like, if I don't start a fight, I'm gonna get my ass kicked every day. So I started a fight with a girl that was new and I thought was unattractive. And so I was like, I'm gonna, t-. I thought that was a weak link back then. So I was like, I'm gonna take her out. Wrong move. Any girl that's un- like really unattractive, she can fight. She got nothing you know? to lose. Now, Marina. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she whooped my ass. She did. She whooped my ass. Yeah. So, so this, is, this is interesting to me. And then, then, then I'll shut up. So you just said, I'm going to kick her ass, which is, talk, which is not white talk. That's black talk. I'm a, instead of I'm going Because I was her. trying to get, do the lingo. Right. So, so my, <laughs> that's what I was going to ask. Like, were you talking like that then? Or in those days, did little Marina say, I'm going to kick your ass? Did you yeah, have I zero, probably... You had zero black talk to you, like. Zero. It was, oh I probably, if I heard I myself to back, kick your ass, <laughs> if, if I heard myself back then, I would probably be shocked at how white I actually did sound. My uncle trained me, my uncle, cause we were staying at my grandfather's house. Cause my mother was moving. She was going through a transition of her life. So my uncle would say, you can't say you, you all. Cause I would say you all, yeah. <laughs> he would say, say y'all is y'all. And it's ain't. It's not our not. It's ain't. <laughs> so if you ever hear me say ain't to this day, that's trauma. <laughs> why do I? Why when you when you talk about your uncle do I see Keith Robinson? That's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mac, yeah. Mac, I, I, I want to ask you, Mac. What was the turning point from being bullied to be like I'm gonna help kids that get bullied? You know, no, first I don't know why she was bullied. Why don't you, t- okay, well, how about this? How about you take a crack at why you think I was bullied? And then I'll answer. Too tall. Because you're tall. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I was, like, always, like, a little beam pole. Like, I didn't have curves, you know, like, skinny skinny little thing. There she is. Um, <laughs> I, I was just, I don't know. I was always taller than the guys and very skinny. And I started modeling when I was 14. And obviously, girls were jealous. Um, so they would like crumple their food and like throw it at me and it was like all psychological so they were like oh like you can't sit literally like you can't sit with us that was like the whole thing and so I felt like really isolated and you know starting modeling I had to lose a bunch of weight because that's just what you have to do and my teachers were even bullying me and they were like oh Michaela you're anorexic you're disgusting like it, it just sucked I mean to get bullied by your peers by your teachers and then the icing on the cake at this I was sexually assaulted by my best friend when I was 14 and um I was very prude and you know how, very how old was he he I think he was 15 I don't even know um, he's a little bit older. He got held back or something. It makes a whole lot of sense now. But he sexually assaulted me and I kept it to myself for a year. And eventually I went to a small private school and uh, private schools with not a lot of kids, they talk. So eventually everyone found out what happened to me. And suddenly I was like a school slut and a whore and all these things. So a lot happened in a short amount of time. So, yeah. That's horrible. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, it wasn't fun. Um, and I just decided that going through that, being an only child, I'm an only child. I didn't want other people to go through that. And so I wrote my book and I wrote my feelings down and I read it now and I'm like embarrassed to like think the way that I thought, but I still kind of do, you know, I'm still conservative and try to be the best version of myself, but I'm blatantly honest in all aspects. So <laughs> what, what do you, what, what do you read in the book now? Well, wait, Hatem had his question before. What was the turning point? Is that what you said, Hatem? Yeah, from from being bullied, it's like you know what I gotta make a stop to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I yeah, what what caused you to channel that positively? Because I feel like I I you know I I was bullied also. I grew up in Metro Detroit and was like one of the in a unique community. And uh, I decided to go into comedy because I couldn't get away from that trauma. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I, I just was like, that, let's repeat the cycle. Am I yeah. the only one that bullied people here? No? Oh my God. <laughs> Can I get my back, Norm? <laughs> all right, go ahead, Mikhail. Yeah, no, I just, I don't know, going through all that and I didn't want to let my parents down. I feel like I kind of let them down that all these things were happening and I wasn't doing anything about it. So I was like, you know, having those suicidal thoughts, like I just want to end it. And um, I decided, well, I can either do that or I can take all these bad things and do something good. So that was kind of the turning point. Very, very dark, but then, you know, we went back to the light, so. And so what do you what do you read in the book now that makes you cringe or whatever word you want to use? I mean, not a lot of people can say that they wrote a book when they were 18. So like going back into Michaela's mind at 18 and now at 22, I'm like, oh, like, you know, I got a little bit older, experienced more life. It's just different. It's like a weird to go back and literally read your exact words, like 50,000 of your own thoughts. Like that's a lot. Yeah. So. But you, so you, you went from, uh, you know, being bullied and being, you know, like, um, you have no self-confidence in a way, right? To, mm -hmm. to like, publicly speaking now, like, you all over the country speaking to kids. Like, I was, you know, amazed by, I saw your videos. It's like, you know, all over, like, all ages. And you're like, how did you, how did you get to be like that? I mean. Oh my God. Honestly, I don't know. Um, I think it's like some crazy higher power because if you were to ask me to like, even raising my hand in class, like I would just like profusely sweat. Like I was that kid that could not public speak. And then someone's like, Hey, Michaela, why didn't you go talk to kids? And I was like, Oh my God, no, I hate public speaking. And then I did it. My first audience was 1400 people. And I was like, Oh my God, like, I love this. It's kind of like an adrenaline rush almost. And, uh, just meeting the kids after makes it all worthwhile. So, so do you, do you ever, oh, because I look back at how I was bullied and, or, you know, I really, whoa, no. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> right, go ahead. What like, happened? I was like, whoa, what is that? We're going into Gnome's laugh now. Hey. <laughs> no, um, I go, I think about it now and I'm grateful for the life and experience of it. I don't really actually think of it as I'm going to say this bullying. Mm -hmm. I think of it as growing up in culturally a uh, very difficult time with kids who were affected by race. Um, and I don't know if I blame them, but I, I think that for me, that experience made me who I am and I'm grateful for it. That's just for me. And this is like, I'm talking like 30 years later. And I look, I listened to you, to, uh, you know, looking at your words, was it of your book? Four and, years ago. 
Yeah. Like I look mm-hmm. back at my poems. I used to write a lot of poems, uh, Mac. Because yeah. I used you, to, that, that, used to <laughs> that used to help. Look, it's a, it's a have you heard of Gwendolyn? Poems. That's ignorant. Have you heard of Gwendolyn Brooks, Hatim? Tim? I'm Hello. Joking. I know, but I just want to correct your ass. Uh, so yeah. black people write poems? Yeah. Maya, come on, Hatem. Maya Angelou, buddy. But I, I looked back at those words of, and I'm like, I want to ask you this, Mac. Like, had that not happened to me, would I have been as creative? And do you look at that and go, maybe not grateful for you, but do you look at that and go, it did kind of make me who I am? Definitely. And I think it's awesome that you're writing poems because that was like therapy for me. And going, going through that, I'd almost go through it again tomorrow if I could prevent someone else from going through it because I am like one of the few that can come through it, you know, and so are you. And a lot of people, unfortunately, never get that chance or don't believe that they can. So I think going through it, it made me me. And I think that, you know, everything that I've been able to do because of the worst things that have happened to me makes it almost worthwhile. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because it's important to say that's who you are. You're the one who could deal with that. Cause I, I think about that all the time. Whenever I say this in conversation, I say, I'm just that particular person that was able to, you know, be funny in the moment and come out of it. That's just true for me. But, but I think there should be a difference between conflict with other kids and bullying, you know, because, because not everything is bullying, right? Like there's just regular conflict between you and other kids. Yeah, yeah, but this is, I think, but hold on, because in the last, so it's interesting because like, I, you know, Michaela was bullied, you know, only in recent history, but like a bull, I think the nature of bullying has changed from when like, you know, like Marina or I were that age and, and when you were that age, Mac, because I feel like they, like, this is a real issue, especially with teenage girls right now. It's like, there's a mm-hmm. huge, there's like a, there's a spike in, in suicides amongst teenage girls simply because of the way that bullying has become in social media. Like I'm really thankful that social media didn't exist until I was like already almost done with college because it was, I just, that adds this extra element. I think of, of evilness to the entire thing that it could like hound somebody in somebody's life and just really destroy your reputation at a time where you're just extremely vulnerable. Yeah. Social well said. Media, yeah. Social media is, I don't know. As much as we're all on it, I think it's kind of awful at the same time because everyone's putting on these false fronts. And if you're not like, you know, following that standard, then people lash out at you and you can't escape it. Yeah. Like, I think it must be especially difficult to to be a a girl or a young woman and deal with this because it, you know, as a, I used to get bullied and then I started wrestling in high school and I eventually, and that led me to doing mixed martial arts in college. And as soon as I learned how to fight, it was like, that was it. It never mm-hmm. happened again. Like I, I punched a kid once and that was the end of it. And, and I never really dealt with it, but I feel like you can't really like, like, like girls and young women can't really do that in the same way. So I literally, like if I had a daughter and she was dealing with this, I don't know what I would tell her. I, I, I legitimately don't know what I would tell her. So what I think would- I'd be like, honey, you have to be the bully. Like you need to destroy other girls' reputations in order to survive. <laughs> Mac, what do you tell the kids when you like different, you, you deal with different ages, right? From elementary school? Yeah. So, what's, what's the youngest you deal with? Literally, like the teeny tinies and K. Like, I've had Aww. little itty bitties come in. There. And, like, they don't even know what that word means. They just know, like, being mean and being kind kind of thing. But, I mean, as far as like high school kind of like 
age kids, if you will. The problem with high school is you can't really change someone by that point. Like if you're a jerk, you're a jerk. Like, and that's just how it is. I think it's more of like acknowledging that you're a jerk in high school and acknowledging like the stereotypes that are there and in place. So I really just tell kids like, honestly, just be you. And if someone has a problem with it, then like you don't even need it. And if you're being the bully, like ask yourself why, because usually bullies are just cowards. So it's really about if you're a coward in your own life, then yeah, it makes sense that you're a bully because you're not happy with yourself. And if you're the happiest- I don't think that's the only reason. Sometimes people become bullies so they don't get bullied. Yeah, I mean, yes, yes and no. I like, I agree with that, but I think that people become bullies for, like you said, you know, maybe something's going on at home or they feel like they need to be like this big dog, but it goes back to the psychology of like, why? And not because they don't want to be the victim, but maybe just because they're insecure. I mean, people aren't just mean to be mean. I can bet like there's some feeling. I, 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 go ahead. No, I was just to say, like, there's some feeling of like vulnerability that they're uncomfortable with in themselves, and the way to mm -hmm. handle that is by trying to trying to show the world that like you can't fuck with me because I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck with you first or something yeah. like that. Yeah, like peacocking. I I, I, I like can peacocking. bet hundred like anybody that Noam was a bully because he's so smart. You he like do like Jedi mind tricks at the kids at that age. Right. <laughs> Bro, like, not, not, not only was I not a bully, but I was I I was very I was I used to defend people who were being bullied. I was never. Yeah, like, Noam doesn't seem like a bully. No, I'm not. I was never like that. I was. No, never, but was, there's different kind of. It doesn't have to be physically bullied. You know, you can be like. Oh, shut up, so hot them. No, yes. Noam doesn't. Noam just has his. <laughs> no, Noam will talk to someone and I'd be like, Oh, well, have you read the 13 books that I read this morning? Like, well, huh? Noam has a table probably in the cafeteria where he's holding his, <laughs> but he's not bullying anyone. No, I, I was, I, I, the, you know, people, the, the truth is that people will confuse someone getting angry or somebody, you know, uh, really taking somebody apart with an argument or something for being mean. It's not the same thing. Mean, mm -hmm. meanness is different. I, I'm not mean. I don't think, I mean, I, 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 I mean, everybody has had their moments when they're when they're mean, but I don't I don't think that is why I'm hated. I think that's that's, other that's spoken like a true East Coast born and raised person. No, I think I think I think to the extent that, that somebody might not like me, it's not because they think I'm mean. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. I have a question for you, Mac, about yeah. this. Keith Robinson has a great joke. Speaking of bullies, he called me this morning just to tell me how much he loved trashing cypher sounds pants last night it brought him so much joy that he yeah. woke me up this morning to go you know what i did last night i trashed cypher sounds and it brought me joy and i was, <laughs> I was like he lives for this do you yeah, think the there's best. a difference between doing that and bullying like you know playing the dozens yeah i think that's a good question. I think there's like, I mean, at the end of the day, people need to have a sense of humor about things because if you don't, like, you're just going to be upset by literally everything and everyone. And I think there's a difference between like joking and like really trying to like get someone. And there's like the fine line. And it's like, it's obvious. Like if you're, you know, roasting someone and like they're okay with it, and they're like, ha ha ha. And then at the end, they're like, LOL, JK, like I didn't mean it. And like, that's different. But if you're just attacking someone that you don't know or you don't know what their life is like like there's no point but
but it comes back to the thing like, you know, not everyone gets a trophy almost. So you can't be too sensitive, but also like there is a line and once you cross it and it's like repeated, then. Well, yeah, you talk, this is like cuts to the heart of like humor is and what's going on in comedy is just because it's like you, you, the assumption of strength rather than weakness in the somebody you're joking with or joking mm -hmm. about versus thinking that you're doing injury to them by making fun of them. I mean, that's just good humor versus, versus, you know, I'm, being malicious. I, I don't want to, I don't want to name names. Really a bully to me. No, oh, you cut, you cut, you cut, I'm sorry. You, you cut it off. Say there, it again. Uh, so, who, me or Brendan? Yeah. No, you, you're cutting off. Yeah, now you're good. So Keith will get into it with somebody, but first of all, Keith will usually pick on someone his own size. He won't, you won't usually pick on somebody who's really vulnerable, number one. Number two, he, Keith will let the other person answer, and if they hit back and it's funny, Keith will give a nice, hearty, warm laugh. He'll be like, yeah, you got me, you got me. You know? so, so Keith enjoys the back and forth. I, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know what he was like as a kid, but I, Keith is not one of the comedians that seems to have a, uh, has a bully vibe to me. Just, just for your information, yeah. Keith was never a kid. He's always an old man. Always <laughs> <laughs> I never, well, <laughs> never he definitely <laughs> has moments, though. The joke that he does on stage that I always thought was a really good joke, because it kind of can be challenged right now, is his joke where he would say, if you fuck with people, you help them to heal. And I could see that being ripped to shreds in, in the way that Mac, the way you just put it, there's just that fine line. Like now that joke would have to say that as well in order for it to not be attacked as being a bad joke. You yeah. would have to say, no, 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 there is a fine line, but <laughs> if you fuck with people, you help them to heal. Because that is true. Actually, when Keith says I've gained weight, and he always does. So vulnerable. I've been vulnerable when Keith has attacked me, by the way. No. But I have but always lost weight when he comes in with this, like, Marina looks like she's doing that shake a dang dang joke. She wants to be a big, sassy black comic. And then I absolutely drop, like, probably five to seven pounds. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, yeah. Marina, Chris Rock, Chris Rock got a whole routine about that, how you know you need to bully these kids for them to become bill gates and steve jobs got a whole thing about that like a few years ago i don't know if it's true or not but it, that is one way that people justify bullying that's why i didn't succeed in life i just got too much love from everybody <laughs> you're not you're not over yet so michaela so what should i tell my i, I have young kids i have a seven-year-old and an eight-year-old and uh, i worry about them what being about bullied. the one well, he's, two, three. He's, he's three, but you know, I'm not really, he's, he's not in it yet, but my other kids, like they're, this is prime bullying and being bullied age, third grade, fourth grade, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, if they are bullied, what should I tell them? How should they, how should they deal with it? I mean, it's different for every kid. I always tell kids to obviously, you know, go tell someone. And I know that sounds lame, but like, it's true. I mean, it, it's not embarrassing to like go tell a parent or go tell a friend. I mean, it, it's bad to suffer in silence. And I think that's what kids need to drive home because at the end of the day, there is no way possible to get rid of bullying altogether. It will always be there. But how parents intervene and how kids are able to stand up for one another. Like you said, the bystander effect, like don't be a bystander and kind of look out for your friends. So just be honest and open because 
you might be bullied and it might follow you, but also like, just don't be silent about it. Is it different for boys and uh, girls? What? Is it different for boys and girls? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I like to think so. Um, I think that girls are more like psychological and you know, they're like, Oh, we're going to make her feel like an outcast and feel bad about herself and like totally exclude her. Like we're all going to wear pink and she's going to show up in blue. Like it's very different and girls will like keep it to themselves, but like they'll know that they're not welcome. And guys are just like, we're just going to beat each other up and like ignore this one kid. So it's really about, you know, just like I said, you know, that fine line of determining what's right, what's wrong. And, more importantly, how to not suffer in silence. So, and as parents, like my wife, I'm, I'm just waiting for this to happen. If my daughter came home bullied, I know my wife would like get the Vaseline, she'd get a, <laughs> a, she'd get a roll of nickels, and she'd tell my daughter to go out there and not come back unless the other girl was crying. I, I know that's how my wife would be. So, you know, so I have to try to negotiate that, but like what, how should, I, I, I think we all agree that's not the right reaction. How should parents deal with it? Should they call the other parents, call the school? What do they do? So the problem, okay, the problem with schools, I'll say this, is all the schools are like, you know, we have a zero policy, whatever, zero tolerance for bullying, which is like not the case. Um, you know, even in the private school that I went to, like it went on. And my dad was the same thing. He's like, oh, I'm going to call their parents and I'm going to do this. And I'm like, dad, please, God, no, it's going to make it worse. Um, I really just think that you know, talking, talking with your kids through this and kind of understanding what they're going through is like most effective to call someone else's parents. I don't think is always worth it. Um, maybe having conversations privately with the teacher, I think is good. But again, it's like, you don't know how the school's going to handle it. So just being on top of your kid and really understanding what's going on and not making them feel like awkward and weird that they're going through that because you want to have that ability to be open with your kid. If, if I have a son, I would pay the biggest kid in the school to protect him. I'm just like, you know, between you and me, $10 a day, <laughs> you'll be his buddy. No. <laughs> you, you, you should rent Dante. Me, let me negotiate for you. I'm sure he'll do it for less. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Don't beat anyone up. Here's the thing. I think Makila had a great idea for the younger, younger kids uh, by doing a, you see, I don't know if you just released it, the coloring book. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about it? Not anti-bullying, coloring? Yeah, so so I have two. Um, one is called Buddy So Bully, which is like kind of cute and cliche. And the other one is Everybody is Beautiful. I really think that kids, you know, I, I used to volunteer at this one place called UCP, which has students with disabilities and students without disability, and they like integrate them. So you know how to play with like your classmate that may or may not be in a wheelchair, something of that nature. I think just exposing our kids to we're all different and we're not all cookie cutters, I think can prevent a lot of bullying later on. So that's why having those conversations in elementary school, when you think they don't know what's up, they do. Um, so having a conversation early on, definitely. Because it feels like, it feels like bullying, it's like some bullying takes place around like, there's this group and mm -hmm. if you're not, like the group almost is like looking for weakness to make sure that it's like a strong enough group. And any difference is like what, yeah. that's what they're going to hone in on. And it's, it's kind of strange because it feels like if you grew up with like disabled, like kids, disabled kids, or you grew up with like uh, in a very diverse community or something, those don't, you don't notice those things because they were always present, mm -hmm. you know, like instead yeah, you notice. Oh, I grew up. 
That the fear yeah. factor, the fear of what you don't know of like Carrie, the movie Carrie is such a brilliant movie because it's about that. It's about teenage girl fear of another girl who is not, she's not cool. She's not dressing like them. She's kind of, it's, it's scary to see someone who doesn't want to fit into the group. And so they attack it. That's what Carrie was all about. Yeah, I don't think yeah, anybody's it's like, done that. What? I was basically caring. Like, oh my God. Okay, short story really fast for you guys about that. So Is it prom, about how you destroyed your prom with your superpowers? Basically, basically. I didn't hurt anyone. But you know how all the popular kids want to be prom queen, right? I mean, that's like their their total hype. Like that is their thing. And somehow, some way, me and my little misfit friends are like, hey, like vote for Michaela. Michaela should win, blah, 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 blah. And uh, so they were calling, you know, the names, prom king, football guy, my best friend. We've been dating for like five years. Nice football player guy to change stereotypes. And then, you know, all the popular girls like walked up to the front and they're just like expecting to be called. And I'm in the back literally eating ice cream. Like I tell the story all the time like I'm at the ice cream bar just like shoveling it and they were like Michaela Nichols I'm like me and um so yeah I I was um prom queen and no one danced in my whole four minute song it was just me and him and everyone else was just like pissed that they weren't the queen and so no one joined in that whole four so 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 that was my carry moment in in sports they give like Mm. medals to everybody now which I'm against 100% why are they still doing the the prom queen and king. Why can't they make it everyone in the prom? Uh, you know, that would, you know, I'm not saying I'm for it, but if, if they do this with sport, why don't they do this with prom? Oh, so there's no bullying you're saying? So there's just like- there's No, no- I, I feel like it's all about self-confidence. When you're not in the football team, when you're not in any sports team, when you're not in the whatever team, you know, when you're not the king or queen, you, you feel like you're less than anybody else. You know what I'm saying? See, I went to the, the, you know, I got the, the real problem here. You know, this is the problem. I should, I should, I should uh, join Michaela in talking to the kids. <laughs> <laughs> no one least, should be prom queen. <laughs> at least there was no pig blood, though. Thank God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it was just a lot of nasty eyeballs. So no, I don't the, know. The thing that's so cool about you, though, is that I'm sure there's young kids that look at you and they're confused because you're beautiful, and they're like thinking to themselves, if. If she could be bullied, then anyone can. Right? I was actually, I was going to ask you the same question, but in another way. Do you think that people can be like, oh, she doesn't know. She can't relate to me. She's beautiful. She's a model. She's a public speaker. She, she can't relate to me. Maybe she wasn't bullied. Yeah. When I, when I speak in high schools, like I literally will walk out and I'm just like, so I know everyone's looking at me because all the guys are like nudging each other. They're like, oh, like she's hot. And um, I'm like, listen. Like I am in front of you today as a victim of bullying and here's why. And all the girls are like, oh my God, like there's just addressing it and making everyone kind of uncomfortable that I've addressed it automatically takes that wall down and they're like, oh crap, like she's telling the truth. So I think that, you know, even with like celebrities like Miley Cyrus, Ed Sheeran, Demi Lovato, like they were all bullied and they all got through it. And it like, it doesn't matter who you are, how pretty you are, how much money you have people will try to tear you apart. But is there a difference? Like, so I was looking at your website uh, while Hatem was talking. So, um, oh wait, I, I lost That's it. That's what I do. When Hatem's talking, I look at a website too. And did I lose the page already? Oh, nuts. So anyway, there's this woman on your website, was it Sophie Simmons? Mm-hmm. And 
I, I can't read it now, but she, she gives you like a testimonial. And she says, being, you know, being famous from a young age for being beautiful and under tremendous pressure to blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, I know what it's like to, and I'm like, I don't know if that's actually the same psychology of someone who's bullied because they actually are deformed in some way. Like, you know, and, and if it, like if you're beautiful and you know people are jealous and bullying you, does it leave you with the same scars as if you're actually, you know, living with a lifelong thing? You know, I, I don't want to say anything out loud that yeah. it might be because people have these things, but you know, something that, that makes you an obvious target for bullying um, that, that you never, and you, and you never leave that behind, you know? Yeah, no, I hear you. And I, I totally get that. You know, I, I'm very privileged and I acknowledge that, but I mean, just even with like my teachers, like getting ridiculed by my teachers and even being sexually assaulted, like number one, I hope no one goes through that ever in their life. And then being bullied because of that, something that was so out of my control. It's not that it's worse because obviously everyone's life's different, but it's, it's all about how they go about it. And, you know, me going through that, it was just traumatizing and I will forever be traumatized regardless of, you know, success, whatever. It's always going to impact me. You're also describing something interesting, which is that you're kind of like an ugly duckling in the that you're tall and lanky and at, mm -hmm. at, at an age where your peers, that's not hot to your peers. It's, it's. No, awkward. they all went through puberty. I just apparently didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and, but to another, to another audience, they regard you as, as strikingly beautiful and, and as a model. But then to your peers, like you're weird looking, right? So, mm -hmm. so you're, you're kind of suffering. You're in both worlds there. So I, I, that's interesting. Anyway. Do models tell you that they often like, because it seems like that's a very common story for a lot of models. Like I'll, that I'll take it from here. Yeah, it is a common story for us. <laughs> uh, how, why is that funny? <laughs> go ahead, Michaela, go ahead. It, yeah, I think... I don't know. I just feel like there's something about being tall and being a woman and just like being taller than everyone else. I think there's automatically like a stigma. And even like when people look at you and maybe they're like, oh, like she's cute, whatever. Like there's always just something. There's just something weird about being a tall woman that is in the either entertainment or fashion industry. So it's just a lot of models are bullied. Yes. But to the degree it varies. So, I mean, I think we all go through something regardless of our I think job. it's just like you, it's just that you're an outlier. You know what I mean? Like you're, yeah. you're just like, there's, you have anything. I mean, they'll make fun of you. Like kids will bully you about anything that like, mm -hmm. whatever it is, they're going to bully you about it. And if it's, if it's at least any different from like the norm or average, that's what they're going to come at you with. And, and I think that there's, you know, there's a great, there's a documentary um, made by years ago by a, a, uh shoot jamie uh heckler is the documentary who's who's the comedian who i'm thinking of um jamie kennedy and there's something he know he talks about in it that i think is really relevant which is like even if you're a you know a, a, an attractive person even if you're very beautiful the people who bully you get a sense of superiority for it so it's almost like they want to target you because mm -hmm. they feel so much better and and have a sense of like increased status just by coming at you and that's what i mean hecklers that's exactly the same same reason is like i always feel like if you're on stage hecklers gonna come from a handful of places but one of them are guys who are used to normally having like six two bros who are normally used to having a lot of attention suddenly there's a guy on stage who's oh, who's absolutely. getting a lot of it 
Yeah. And it's like, that's why is there suddenly like, oh shit, I'm not the most high status person in my life right now. And they got to come at you. And so I could, I could completely understand why models have to deal with this, this stuff. What was, what was the person for you, Mac, that, cause I remember my teacher, Miss Bird and on YouTube, if you get a chance, you can still see it. I did a, a like a sort of spoken piece about being bullied. Um, I'll send it to you afterwards. Yeah, um, and it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of comical, but it's about the teacher that stood out to me that helped me through that time. Who stood out for you? Like, was there any adults that came through? Yeah. My, my parents, um, you know, like I said, I, I kept it from my parents, uh, being an only child. I mean, but when they figured everything out, they were the, like they were literally my best friend and being an only child, it was like, okay, if I can't trust any of my so-called friends, like I have my parents and I had this one teacher, her name is Miss Malpass and she's a Latin teacher. She was so much fun. Like she would like come to school, like dressed as Medusa or like, she was just always like the most, her energy was just so big and I felt safe. Like I would literally take my lunch and eat in her classroom and like, we're still friends to this day. I mean, it's just nuts to me that literally my other teachers, like grown adults are bullying you. Like that's messed up. Yeah, that's so what you're going after a kid. So to Marina's point, maybe the solution will be to educate teachers and coaches and people like that in the school to notice what's going on more. Yeah, I, yeah, but I think the education systems like it, it definitely needs a revamp because again, like they all have a policy and it's like zero tolerance, but there's not something that's like, okay, we're going to change the culture of the school. And I mean, with my foundation, that's what we're trying to do because I realize it's a problem because I experienced it and the suicide rates going up. And, you know, a lot of them are, are young people K to 12. Like that's the problem. The schools aren't doing enough and they're not protecting their kids. Yeah. Cause it's, it's really important. I remember that Miss Bird took me aside I remember crying, like, because my parents were getting, so I didn't have my parents. My parents didn't, weren't really there for me during that time. They were actually getting a divorce. They were part of the reason I was a little, you know, kind of awkward and weird. And I remember crying, like, really hard at Miss Birch. She was like, don't you cry, you bet. <laughs> that was her voice. And she smoked cigarettes. Like it was like, yeah, and she was like, don't you cry. Yeah, get strong, kid. And, you know, <laughs> it sounds like she's like your cornerman in a 1920 boxing match. Yeah, <laughs> that's you, exactly. you get back in there. You get right back in there, Marina. You that's give them hell. That's exactly it. Uh, like you Rachel keep Feinstein. writing those poems. Yeah, yeah, she did. She was like, and I did the uh, high school or the junior high graduation speech because of wow. her. She would take me through. And then in camp, I had a camp counselor, you know, that took me aside when all the kids in a white neighborhood were like, didn't want to play with me. I used to make her laugh and she would just sit there and laugh and laugh at everything. And that's really like when I didn't know I was a comic, but that's when I would just kind of like, you know, hone my skill with her, you know, <laughs> but I, I think need to know that they have, if they, if they recognize the allies to, to be the, to be with the allies, you know, to highlight that for kids that are going through that. Not everyone's going to be there for you, but to, to, um, yeah, align yourself with those people who are there for you. Can, can I, Paul, can we, can we shift gears for a second? Can I poll the audience, the, the panel on, on something here um, that I read today? Is, are we, how's there anything else you want to ask about bullying? 
No, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. so just just right before this started, I read this. Um, wait, let me let me let me. Do, I read this uh, article. This is frustrating. Um, what reading? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is the article. I'll share the screen. Can you see it? Yeah. Yeah. This is this is Marina. My black friend corrected my unwittingly racist statement. This is a, an article, and it's about um, a woman. I think she's a teacher, something. Who was? <laughs> it just seems unbelievable to me. But she was using the term "itis." I've got the itis. A, wh a white woman. She's mm. like, I have the itis, and she didn't. She had no idea that this was a, a colloquially colloquially black phrase. Oh, she didn't. No, and it's, and it which usually starts with the N word. Oh, that's so, so she didn't know. So, so, so a friend of hers, a black friend of hers, corrected her, and then she writes this whole mea culpa how she didn't know, and it start, it ends with white people don't get to define what isn't and isn't offensive to other races. We must listen and learn and change our approach. Having a friend who was willing to speak up and explain my error means a lot to me. It helps me to be a better ally and build bridges of understand. Cue the music. Cue bridges of understanding <laughs> what they are lacking and how changes made. And, and the blah, Oscar blah, blah. for most woke woman turned. And, and I'm thinking, yeah. wait, wait, hold on. Let me just let me just present it. So I'm thinking this woman is taking an honest mistake and turning it into the most blatant excuse for virtue signaling I've ever heard. Let me give you an example. First of all, I just think she should have said to her friend, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I'm so embarrassed, I didn't know. I won't use that term anymore. Just like the first time you found out what gypped meant, that it actually comes from gypsy, you're like, oh shit, I, I shouldn't say gypped anymore. So my oh, father- I didn't know that. I'm so yeah, glad you've explained it to me. So no. maybe, yeah, so write, write a column now, apologizing to all the gypsies. So listen, so my father, when, when he was alive, Juanita, came as my wife mac and um she told my father she can't she had a new leather jacket and my father said how much was it or something and she said well he asked for two hundred dollars but i chewed him down <laughs> and so <laughs> she said this to my father and my father said what because i chewed him down manny i chewed him down so she didn't say chewed him down she said chewed him down she had it which all is, wrong. You know, obviously the same thing and she had no idea and my father <laughs> thought it was the funniest thing he'd ever heard and he explained to her no, you can't say chew them down, Juanita, because that's chew them down. It's actually, you know, it's, it's, it's an anti-Semitic thing. But he didn't, he didn't think 10 seconds about it after that. It was obvious she didn't know what she was saying. And he thought it was actually cute. I mean, it was, it was all kind of funny. And today, like, God, Juanita can get in huge trouble, and I could write a whole column about it. I mean, isn't this all phony, Marina? And that's what I'm getting at. No, I think we're, we're – I, I think – I've been saying this lately, pre-pandemic and pre-George Floyd, sure. Post-George Floyd, no. I think virtue signaling, signaling, how do you say it? Uh, yeah. I can't even say it. I think there, I think it's okay, actually. I'm going to virtue uh, signal. I, 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 can I finish this? I just think that it's really important that when a white person says that they're trying to listen and understand, that's a good thing. And I think it's, it doesn't, I think pre we can look at it. We can laugh at the fact. I think we're losing the ability to laugh at the fact that she was saying itis without knowing. That's the only problem with that. Like that is hysterical to me. How long was she doing that? that? <laughs> like that is, that's the only thing that's missing from that article is there's some humor to her not knowing, but absolutely. If someone white says to me, 
for the first time that they are listening and understanding, that's a beautiful thing. I don't see anything wrong with that. Well, if somebody white says it to you and it's true that it's really the first time that they that they realize oh, they're like, that, bitch, really? No. <laughs> and, and, and they realize that they weren't listening prior and yeah. you take it and you take it as a sincere thing, then of course that's that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. But that's not virtue signaling. The, the whole notion of virtue signal is that, that, that it's 90% performance that like, I mean, Oh, I see. I, I, I feel like I've always, well, I mean, I don't want to virtue signal, but like, I would just never go, go online and talk about how now I'm listening and I'd be furious. What? You don't want 8,200 claps on a medium article? Yeah, no. Like, like, I mean, of, of course I, I'm, I'm listening, always trying to be a good person, but the second, I mean, really? it's not just, listen, it's not just about this. <laughs> <laughs> you hear people go on online and talk about their things in life or, you know, they're, 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 I don't know. It's just so, I think it's okay right now. People are locked up and they want to express themselves and that's okay. And if it, if it's a little bit of virtual signaling, then if, if it's in the direction of good, I'm not going to make fun of it. It's, it is sometimes annoying. I will admit like, I was annoyed to see people posting so much about like activism, but they weren't doing it. You know, like there's okay. no like silent um, activism. Everyone is letting you know that they're yeah. the person, but I don't have a problem with that anymore is what I'm saying. Okay. I think Two that's things. okay. Two things. First of all, part of my, my um, part of the reason I, I take umbrage with this column is because it implies that we all accept that what she did was really terrible. And, and I think that a lot of people do think yeah. what she did was really terrible. Right. That's and that really bothers me because she needs to be there. She didn't know it was terrible. She, she didn't, she heard something. She repeated it like anybody. And now she like, like gypped and it's no more terrible. Like how could it be terrible? You didn't know. How could you, the, the notion that we actually will hold somebody responsible for something they didn't know is not civilized. It's not, it's not moving in the right direction. Um, well, like the correct response to this, like yeah. I think I, I see where you're going with this. Is like you, the correct response to this is to go like, "Oh shit, I'm so I'm sorry, I didn't realize that." And then, yeah. but writing Hold this on. article is almost this like she's she's almost going through this like prostrating herself to the world to try to receive some kind of you know uh, like 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 forgiveness or. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Absolution from like the, I've committed this horrible sin and I wasn't, I didn't realize that I had done this. She's like, I don't know. I, I just feel she's like, like I agree. Yeah, she's, she's not showing, showing off. off. She's expressing herself. She's no, showing off. You're bullying right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I just think, I think that, you know, the world is in such a, a bad place right now that if anyone wants to, do that and express look i had amy on my not to promote my own podcast on yours hatim i'm sorry no god um, you are welcome to come on anytime we have a white once a month <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we had amy she was our white this month and That's amy Schumer, everyone yeah and she i asked her what has changed for her with feminism and activism you know now post pan you know during this pandemic and she says like just listening and i i think it's really important that people explain things so that i understand it like that's the first time i've heard her say that about like with black activism like she didn't realize that she didn't understand some some things and it's really nice 
to have people kind of explain it so she doesn't because mm. uh, people I, are afraid to say the wrong thing that's a that's a real fear i, I, I don't want to say anything against amy but but is that what she feels or that's is the right answer right now no that's how she felt and no, i, I could tell I amy i mean i've been yeah. recently but i spoke to her before george floyd and she's she takes this stuff very seriously and and, and i i don't agree with her on on many things, but but uh, I will tell you that it's it's quite sincere and it co it's coming from a good place. Um, the other thing, so get, just getting, just the other thing I want to say, so for instance, and this is what happened, so Chrissy Teigen, who we know a little bit from the Comedy Cellar, uh, she was uh, tweeting a few or, or Instagramming a few weeks ago like about boycotting Goya. And then the day before yesterday, she was on Instagram doing some recipe thing or something like that. And there, <laughs> there was a can of Goya on her kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and the internet skewered her, skewered her. Like, you know, and this is, you know, and, 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 and I want to be careful because it could have been an accident. It could have been that she already had the products in the house. There could be many explanations, but she really did set herself up like with this out, out, like, like this public display of, of contempt for Goya and I'm boycotting. And then two weeks later, you're cooking with Goya. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, see, that is so that's funny. the thing yeah. that's always missing in these conversations. That's why I say this woman's article would have been better if she had some humor about it. That's the thing. I used a can of Goya last night, and I was like, oh, I'm still going to eat it. But When's your medium like, article coming out about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, people do make mistakes, and I think that's the problem with virtues is like this ability we're all human we all make mistakes when you start judging someone for making that mistake that's where it's really bad but but you're right marina if if the story came out as a funny story it would be it should have been published well, not it should be. all funny but just it it needs a dose of funny for me it needs a dose of funny in it for people to really connect my stories about being bullying if i told the truth of that it's just sad and, it, and people can pick it apart, but the humor of me saying, you know, I, I fought, I thought I was going to beat up an, a girl that was ugly, and I forgot that an ugly girl can really fight. I know that's a horrible word to use, <laughs> but, you know, she's, she's not going to be, all of this is already all messed up. So she's so, you know, that is the humor in it. Okay, and no, so but that's not virtue signal. You're actually helping people there. That's, that's, I was, I was not drawing any connection whatsoever. That's between, the difference between yeah, me yeah. and her. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah, you're I offering think, tips. Don't fuck with ugly girls. That's for real. <laughs> but that's just like the problem with everyone writing is not everyone's good at it. Yeah, but 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 no, it's not pointing at the writing itself. He is talking about the story. This story shouldn't be like that. That's my but, point, though. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. it has I, no. I, I'm really you know, just saying I can't believe that. It, there's, a, there's a, an intelligent group of people out there who read this story and think that she has anything at all to apologize for. Yeah. She didn't know, no more than my wife did when well, she said that's, she okay, but, she but, that's, but here's the thing. There's like a huge number of white people who are terrified right now because they don't actually know anybody but other white people. So they're worried that they're going to wander okay, into so a situation. I, I will. I will join this. I, I will join. Uh, Haven't uh, they this. always been terrified though? Hold on, Marina. I will. I will draw this line. People who uh, mobilize to go at someone who made a mistake such as this, who honestly didn't know and naively use a word they've heard their whole life and just said it, that's bullying. And we've seen that a lot. We've seen, we've seen people taken down for totally innocent 
total uh, uh, mistakes that had absolutely no in actual intention to harm, no actual bad heart, just utterly naive or ignorant to something. And they've been torn apart by people who claim that they were good. La last night, there was video in Portland of some old lady was standing up in front of the, the police station, supposedly on the wrong side, I guess. And the good people covered her, just poured white stuff all over her head. She might have been 80 years old. That's bullying. What white stuff? Well, was it flour? Did they want her to cook? What I don't know what. I don't, we, don't, we don't know. It was un, un, unidentified liquid in the news story that I read. Well, I think the thing is, <laughs> no, is there's a change happening in the world, and you either gonna get with it or you're not, and that's think, it. Yeah, I hope. I, yeah, but I don't that, know if it's really wait, gonna change. But, but, yeah, but like, you know, an old old lady walking down the street. I think another example is like that astro the uh, the physicist astronaut guy who landed the the uh, probe on the meteor and he had that shirt that had like that was designed by his friend with like anime characters on it. And then a bunch of people attacked him for like wearing this shirt and he was like crying publicly because he was like, I never meant to hurt anybody. That's I think the that's the weird. I mean, like, look, I think everybody's trying to be sensitive you know what I mean? Like the, the, there's some victims to this like cultural change that never, you know, it's like collateral damage, well, like never meant to hurt. Let me anybody. put some perspective on this. So white people are the majority, right? So for the most part, you've always been terrified about saying the wrong thing because you don't have more than like three black friends. So the thing is, go and get you some more black friends. But they don't want to be my friend. I'm a, I'm a <laughs> No, you have a they whole bunch of black friends. They won't even let me sit at the comedian table, and I own it. <laughs> you always have been it. You're being I'm bullied kidding. in your own club. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But that's just that's no, basically but, what it is. Is like you just like the type of black friends that white people have are usually like someone that's like a nanny or someone that's in the home working for them. Yeah. Get to know more black people would be yeah. easy. I, I think that's the solution. I mean, like I, it was so weird because I, or I, you know, I, grew up in, I grew up in Metro Detroit. I had an extremely diverse group of friends, very diverse community. I, you know, I was involved with diversity council in high school and it was, a, it was, a, it was wonderful. It was, Aww, it was, look it was at a, you. I, idyllic way to grow up actually. And and then I moved to Boulder, Colorado, which is supposedly one of the most liberal woke communities it's all white people. It's so many white people. And all they are are terrified because they have two competing things in their head. This like liberal idea of like, I have to be inclusive and sensitive. And also I know no people of color. So I don't know how to do either of those things at the same time. And it was so weird. Like I would just tell stories about like growing up in Detroit, we would blah, blah, blah. And I'm hanging out with my friends and they're like, oh, you can't, you can't say these things. You can't say itis. I'm like, yeah, I did. Yeah, you know, I whatever. I, I, I know actual people of color, so I don't feel like I have to like performatively like do the it's there's something very weird about like that cultural movement. I couldn't agree with you more. I feel like go actually go meet some people of color. You know what Hang I mean? Out. Hang out. Let them be your friends. It's like that was another conversation. Why is it this way? Why can't you do it? Say the opposite way. Why don't you say? People of color, go meet white people. Why? Why it has to be this? They way. do. They're called the police. Oh, boo. oh Hatem. And also, yeah. Oh, bad. It <laughs> but was bad. no, I know. I, so I liked bad. it. I liked it. And also, here's the thing, Hatem. I just said the majority. White people are the majority. White black people know white people. It's the opposite. Is not true. You go to places, there are white spaces where it's just white. Black people are infiltrated. We know. We know white people. 
I actually don't, I don't know how I feel. I don't, I don't know if I agree or disagree. I'll tell you this. You don't want uh, any black friends, no? No. This is <laughs> so so because, because of my particular life. Let them laugh, no. Let them oh, sorry. oh my God, because that was so good. I, <laughs> because of my particular life, I ended, I was um, fortunate that, yeah, I, I know tons of black people and I know them closely and deeply and and it, oh it, but it always happened organically playing music together or mo mostly playing music together working together the comedians but overwhelmingly it was um from playing music i'd say so prior to that i recall growing up in a very in a home that you know where, where racism was the worst thing in the world but then i discovered like when i went to college there was a I, I, there was a, a a black girl uh, i think her name was thelma a black girl on my floor and we'd invite her to the, you know, we'll have like a dorm party, whatever it is. And she would never come. And then I feel the same thing. I'd have a few experiences. And, and all of a sudden it dawned on me that it was very tough to get black people to want to socialize with me. And I wasn't reaching out to socialize with them because I was trying to meet people of color. It was just like, well, you're on the dorm like the rest of us. It was kind of a very naive. I mean, I, I don't want to say I ever, never didn't see color, but I was, race was much You didn't less think about it. I was much less on my eyes. Like, well, you know, you're like you know, the, the black girl on the floor, the, but whatever, like we're all, let's all have a party. And there was a self segregation that I discovered that I think is very, very real. So then telling somebody to affirmatively go out and meet somebody of color, it sounds good in theory, but what an awkward, because I don't go out and affirmatively meet anybody. I go out and I meet people who are like me, who have similar interests, who I'm working with. It's a, it's an organic process to make friends and like, be so, nothing would be more awkward than somebody. Look, I want to be your friend. I need to meet some Jews. getting deals. We, hold on, and we don't tell anybody Chinese to go out and meet more black people. It's like, or tell or tell black people to go out and meet more Chinese. I would I love think, to meet some more Chinese people. Right, if it happened naturally. So, but so, I think it's all this. The segregation is that's why they talk about the school system being a problem in New York. But I think that we make it harder in a sense, like. You see a lot of stuff from the left about against against interracial dating, about cultural appropriation, about all this kind of stuff. And I'm and I've always thought, well, the healthiest, I mean, the, the symptoms of a very healthy society would be that all these things were extinguishing themselves. So that, uh, yeah, you like my music, I liked your hairstyle, you want to wear a, a, a kimono, whatever. Like in a natural, like my kids who are very like nobody can really pinpoint what race they are like if my kid wants to dress up as black panther i don't want to have to carry around the 23 and me that says he's seven percent african-american like it's a healthy sign that my kid wants to dress up like a black hero and the fact that we are not quite sure and in many cases trying to prevent that from happening i think is a huge mistake we ought to have the, the confidence in ourselves to allow a healthy society to blossom even if that means rethinking certain things from that have a historical legacy and not letting that historical legacy own us forever and just say well you know it's nice that white kids are looking up to black heroes and they want to dress up like yes that has a enough that means another thing to us but they don't know that unless we teach them so now we're responsible to teach all these kids all this ugly stuff of why they can't do what they would do naturally because they love the black guys in their lives you know and that makes it very hard to be friends in a way. So I'm, I'm not making any particular point. Just these are the things that really I think are, are complex and deep and they don't get enough, enough 
like a close consideration. Well, I'm curious, Mac, Mac, like, how do you hear all of this? Like with everything that you see with kids and you're in front of kids, like what, when you hear us talking about like this specifically, it's become more of a race thing, but what do you hear when you see like, you know, no, I, think, I, I think there's so many points. I mean, you guys brought up so many things and I think as a society, we need to be more inclusive. And I mean, there's a lot of things that, and I can admit, like, I don't know, and I'm learning. And it's like, I, I don't want to feel like I don't know enough and I can't, you know, speak because that is a fear, you know, saying the wrong thing, I think is really real. But I think if people just try and, you know, try to have those conversations and try to be more open to these ideas, I think we'd be a lot better. Yes. Um, but I don't think people are always <laughs> like me, me, me. I want to get behind this because I feel like I have to. It's because they genuinely want to. Because I have more white friends than I would like to have. But no. <laughs> because the majority is white people. Right? No, I just. I yeah. know that. The majority is white people. No, I just. I have always had this problem, Mac. Like, so white people feel very comfortable with me because. I don't mind explaining to them mm -hmm. what they've said wrong without making them feel guilty about it. And I do think that's missing. Right. Yeah. But, but I, 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 I really friends, do. Yeah. I have a lot of friends that will like are the same way. And they're like, Hey Mac, like this. And I'm like, Oh, but like, if you, if they don't know, then it's like, you don't know, you know? Yeah. So it's, Mac, 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 I have two questions for you. Uh, the first, do you want to share any, uh, the new thing about space that we talk about or is it out yet or no um it's it's gonna be out tomorrow but um our so literally friday i found out um and if you guys want me to shut up i totally can but um friday i found out that our whole our moon mission that we're going to be sending pictures of bullied kids we're going to do this full campaign starting tomorrow and next week um we thought we had a year and a half, but now we have till December, uh, December 31st to get all these pictures in where we're going to be sending, you know, these pictures up into the moon. So our rocket is literally a year early, which never, ever, ever, I don't know if y'all know about space stuff, but that never happens like ever. It's usually pushed back a year, not up a whole year. So thought we had till 2022. We now have till 2021, but we're going to be launching this big campaign. So, so it's pictures, awesome. you send pictures? Yeah, so basically you can, we'll have the site up and live and I'll make sure you guys get it. So you can pick any picture, you know, a letter, audio recording and explain, you know, why it's important to you or just, you know, submit it. You get a certificate saying, you know, my picture will be forever on the moon and here's why. And so, I mean, it's such a cool gift to, to no, give, give to me someone. Like, get me on that now. <laughs> Yeah, you should. I mean, you can literally look up knowing that your picture will be forever on the moon. And it's That's this whole, whole mission of no one can look down at you again. So, you know, here on Earth, we've clearly failed at a lot of things. But, you know, up there, we can hold ourselves to a higher standard. So, Hey, Marina, you said you had two things to ask her, uh, Hatem. The second one was like bullying is just not in, with kids. Like everybody's like talking about it's a major thing for kids but it's also happened in workplaces uh, mm -hmm. everywhere so are you focusing only with kids or you also uh speak on like um because i know Adults. this place that i used to work at where the owner was bully but um <clears throat> it's downtown no I'm... uh i i was checking her website again <laughs> um, um, uh... <laughs> 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 call back do you, do, you, do you feel like the comedy cell or any work environment have, have bullies on it too, right? Oh, 100%. Of course, 100%. of course. Yeah. yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah, as a matter of just... fact, 
Go ahead, Mac. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. You're fine. I'm just saying it, it exists everywhere. I mean, honestly, one of the one of the things that um, has been uh, I've always had to be on the lookout for is that when you make somebody a manager or some, you know, put them in some sort of position of authority, um, quite often they will bully. You know, you, their inner bully will come out. People you didn't even realize had that in them. You know, um, this has been a. <clears throat> Uh, a, a problem. My father used to talk about it too. And you see how, you see how mean people can be. And, and, you know, you, one of the things I've always defied is that how someone's not. Oh, no, they need to repeat what you said because you're frozen. Yeah. Like, uh, it's the internet's bullying us right now. Shake from any, sometimes, oh, I'm okay now. Yeah. Now you're okay. Yeah. Not really. Um, no. We thought you were but... actually rewrite history and change stories. Oh, sorry. Well, whatever. It was very good, though. It, sounded... yeah, it, it was a great point. In parts. <laughs> so I, I, tell, I tell you, Noam, I don't know if you remember uh, when when Are Manny. You, am I okay now? Yeah, yeah. Marino. I, I want to tell Marino. Tell Marino one thing. You say it's, no. You cut it off. You want to text it to me? <laughs> <laughs> No, can you hear us? I don't know. Um, this is how yeah, you I deal you. with bullies. Oh, okay, so I, I'm gonna tell you a story. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if, if Norm, if you remember that, uh, when Manny passed away, Manny is, is Norm's dad. Um, he was my boss at the time, um, as well. And and Norm uh, asked me to speak in his uh, his funeral, uh, speaking of bullies and all that. So I don't know if you remember my friend, the first thing I said, Noam, in the in a in a podcast in a in a funeral was, uh, you know, I remember that Manny got me and all the Arabic employees after 9/11, and he sat us down and he said, "Listen, nobody can bully you, nobody can make fun of you, no one but him. He's the only one." <laughs> <laughs> and 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 that was a hit on the funeral. But but it, but but it's true. It's like you know, yeah, you're right. He could be. When you're a manager, you become a bully a little bit. But uh, so, Mac, do you talk uh, or you speak on uh, on workplaces? Yeah, I do. I do speak at some corporate events, which is funny because I'm so young and like all these like grown adults are like, oh, like look at this little kid, like she's just out of college. And I'm like, uh, uh-uh. uh, like listen, like I have been an adult since I was 14 years old. Like I have oh, so worked. Them. Yeah, basically, I'm like, <laughs> come at me, don't try to. Um, but I, I'm like, it's just a power trip. I mean. And the fact that people are willing to listen to what I have to say, because it's like, I'm coming from somewhere else. They're like, oh, like, let's listen to her and acknowledge that there's a problem. I think when an outside voice comes in, they're more willing to be like, oh yeah, like I'm on a power trip. Or even with women, like women are always kind of like put down, especially sometimes in the workplace, not all the time, but you know. uh, So when women hear me speak, they're like, oh my God, like I relate to that. And so more conversations happen. Noam, you want to say your point? Uh, it was political, and maybe I'll I will get Marina on another day to talk no, about yes, it. No, I'm curious what it was. Well I, I was saying that you had said that you think things are changing now, and uh, you can hear me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I had two thoughts about that. One is one is optimistic and one is pessimistic. I think that things have actually already changed more than we realized, and that's part of what we're seeing when we see the the wide, the wide scope of the reaction on these things, we're, we're, what we're actually seeing is not people who changed overnight, but that people who actually 
had changed and we didn't realize that that's why they're reacting this way all at once to something. Mm-hmm. And the reason I think it's not going to change is because we're letting, we're letting something go on, which is, which is really, um, um, I think outrageous. I'll give you, so, so just to take it a very small example, Bill de Blasio, you know, is out, out there protest, protesting Black Lives Matter. And to me, this is one big gaslight because... Well, he's a gaslight. I don't know. But, 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 but it's, it's similar of, um, of, of, of mayors and, and politicians all over the country. He has been in charge of the NYPD for seven years. Normally, when you're out there protesting, you're protesting for the people in power to make changes. So who exactly is he protesting? Is he protesting himself to get his own attention? Like, well, you, he's it's a like horrible me. example of no, but it's But yeah. it's the same thing in Portland, in Seattle... Yeah, Lori Lightfoot in Chicago. Hold on, Chicago. It's like me going out and protesting the bad service at the comedy cellar. It's like, no, I'm actually in charge of the service at the comedy cellar. Who am I? Like, and and we're letting these mayors get away with it, which means, like, if if they wanted to change it, what are you protesting? Change it. So, well, he's a horrible. Every mayor, every. So I'm very pessimistic that you're actually going to see any real change because. I, they have every, they have had every opportunity to, to, if, to change if they, if they knew the answers. We were talking about the far, the furthest left politicians in the country. If they had the answers to end racist policing, go ahead, end it. Why are you waiting for the protests? And why, by the way, are you out there protesting? If you couldn't do it, why don't you resign and say, I'm sorry, let someone else do this because I failed. I mean, well, I agree with you on all that about de Blasio specifically because he and is Portland and Seattle and Chicago, all, well, the, I, all, all the politicians. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a it's a community thing that we need to realize the people in charge aren't really we can't count on them. And Marina tries well, to block like, you all the time. Bingo, Such Maria. <laughs> We can't. I think like there's two there's two parts to to, to to this is like one is you're like Noam you're talking about the performative aspect of of like wokeness and this kind of like fake patina of virtue signaling where they're like yeah I agree with this even though they don't it's all a performance I think that that people who take that up that mantle have nothing but downside and in case in point Chrissy Teigen's Goya situation is like a good example of that but then like the second point is that there's absolutely like a real level of sensitivity that everybody needs to have. Like I, you said earlier, just to return to this point, you said earlier, you know, I don't know, like I wish we could live in this society that was essentially, um, you know, everybody didn't think about whether or not their kid could dress up as black Panther for Halloween, but now we have to, but I mean, that's just, we're in the middle of like a fever right now. Like this isn't like this, like, like, like racial tension in America and, uh, the history of racism in America is a is a virus that has been with us since its founding. It's it, and right now we're caught in the middle of this fever, and it's almost the same thing. Is like I would love if I had coronavirus, I would love to go running. I love I'm a long distance runner, but it would be wrong of me to get up and just try to go for a full sprint if I was dealing with pneumonia. It's the same thing. Is like we're just in this situation that once we once the fever breaks, hopefully, and we come through it we can enter a world in which we don't probably have to think about those things anymore. But right now we have to be extremely sensitive because this is just a very dangerous point in that, in the infection that we ha- trying to get rid of the infection of racism that we have in America. Oof. That was deep. Look at Noah's uh, face. So, well, I, I was wondering if you could just, if you could just, if you could just chat uh, Marina, your phone number. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Mac, I'm gonna no, I, I, Marina, Marina is Marina is reading actually reading my face correctly. 
I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to lie. Not because I, um, not because I'm pro uh, against any of the things you're saying, but just I think that um, there's a lot of there's just a lot of false stuff that everybody's pretending that's uh, now. I just, I just think. Yeah, so. there's a. That's when virtual sig like De Blasio is the worst worst example of of all of the virtual signaling. He is. You mean the best example? Oh, the best, yes. <laughs> I mean, he's just... He's the best example of the worst perpetrator. There's so much about him that is, is just wrong. Yeah, I he's mean, the Ellen DeGeneres of politics, basically. By the way, Ellen DeGeneres being attacked is like phase four of reopening. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I see it. That's funny. Um, but I, I think that, you know, that's where it gets crazy, Noam, right? Is when you start attacking people for being assholes. Like, that's where it's gotten weird for me where I'm like, okay, now it's getting strange where we're looking at people in the entertainment industry and going, you just weren't nice to me. Um, I, and I've heard stories about Ellen not being nice. I've heard that from other comics that she's, but I'm like, isn't that... I mean, that has always been part of this industry is like people, once they get to a certain level in it, they'll tell you like, hey, if I'm in the elevator with you, you're not allowed to look at me. Like Steve Harvey did that. Diana Ross does that. I think Prince, they used to ship him underneath the stage in a coffin so that he didn't have to see anyone. <laughs> he would hold his basketball in the coffin underneath the stage and then go up to perform just because he didn't want to. And some people thought that was rude. By so, the way, that's not, that's not, not nice. That, that's not where that comes from. Where does that come? What? I, I think that comes from a fatigue of. Yeah. Fatigue of stardom. Dealing with people all the time. Yeah, yeah. Just being constantly staring at you, gawking at you. It's like, I'm not, it's, it's a, I mean, we've known people like that. I mean, they're like some, some people handle it with a lot of grace. Sure. Anybody can come. I'll take a picture, whatever it is. And some stars that we know, like, no, just leave me the fuck alone. And that's not because they're not nice. It's just, they, yeah. they want sometimes they just want to have a normal life. So that's different than affirmatively, like not being, we've heard also stories about Ellen where she actually wasn't nice to be worked for her and stuff like that, which is different. Maybe they're, maybe they correlate. I don't really care if she's nice or not. Like, I mean, my God, are we going to start canceling the movies of everybody who wasn't nice? I mean, it's a it's lot of crazy. not nice people in this industry that yeah. do some real, sh yeah. you know, that's, that's the industry. And there's a lot of yeah. nice, a, a lot of people said that she was nice too. Colin used to open for her all the time. Well, you that's the thing is I wonder if we're at this point where, and I was saying this before, but then I don't know, sort of, where I was like, just because someone's nice to me doesn't mean they're a good person. And do I, do I still, am I still friendly with that person just because they're nice to me? Like, I've, mm. I've been torn with that thought. What about you, Mac? What do you think? No, I, I hear what you just said, like, vividly and loudly, because it's like, you know, if someone's nice to me, like, great, awesome, but you don't know how someone else might be treating someone, and I think we're in this whole big cancel culture, but also, like, we can't cancel everything, so where is that line? Like, yeah, where drawn? is the line? I think Ellen is, this moment with Ellen is bringing up that point of where is the line? And yeah, I don't think sure. we should 
hold people like, you know, for things that they've said like way, way far in the past, or, I mean, we've all done dumb stuff. Like we've all been mean at some point, you know, not, not intentionally, you know, always, but we all say dumb stuff sometimes. So I don't think, you know, obviously One time I said itis without knowing what it meant. <laughs> yeah. It pretty, it's like, it's like bad. stuff like that. Like where, how do we hold each other accountable in the right way instead of the wrong way? Instead of the wrong way. I blame yeah. the HR departments. I think HR has been the failure of all. <laughs> of all we of this. Stop, we should stop holding each other accountable. It's, it's just an excuse for bullying. I actually really do. You, you, you're going to set 101. Somebody is just going to find an opportunity to use that. I'm just holding people accountable for what's good and just unleash all their inner bully on it. I, I don't trust it for a second. I don't want anybody holding me accountable. Fuck them. Uh, Mac, uh, you, you've been uh, you know, studying bullying and talking about bully, bullies all the time. So I want to ask you honestly, you've, you've, heard, you've heard these guys talk for a long time. Which one do you think was a bully when he was young? Honestly, in your opinion. Oh, I don't know who they were when they were oh. young. Come I on. No, I don't. Like, From that's, that's a fair. I, I mean. Are you still after I'm a bully? Is that what you're trying to get? <laughs> I'm trying to get Marina, actually. Because I don't believe oh, that. She, oh, because, because I think if you are really funny, you can make fun of naturally. You can make fun of anyone. You have a comeback right there. No, you know? that's the that's the 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 myth about stand-up comics is that they were bullies. Not some of us were bullied. I'm mm -hmm. the one that was bullied. I wasn't the one on the bus making fun of people, and I was actually at in the back of the bus, but that's because it was safer <laughs> for me. <laughs> I wasn't back there making fun of anyone. I was actually I had girls follow me off the bus for no reason at all. And one of the girls, she just slapped me. So she when you, she when you waited. Were... Can I just, she waited until my friends weren't there and then followed me and just, that's what people do. So I was never the girl who was on the bus. I mean, the worst thing I would say is I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever you say bounces off of me and gets back on you. That was it. Oh, so my mother right. gave you advice too? <laughs> Marina, don't you know that's what the Nazis, did you know that's what the Nazis used to say to the Jews? You're not supposed to say that? What? I'm rubber? I'm rubber, yeah. you're glue. You didn't like, come oh my God. Are Nazi. you writing an article, Noam? Don't write it. <laughs> or should, no, I should write the article. Ma Marina, if you were in the bus and you're not the funniest one, there's other girls that were funny. Uh, can you have them send the tape to Noam? <laughs> <laughs> on that bus? <laughs> yeah, because uh, so I can book them. Hassan, Hatem, I have to go. Yeah, we, we, we're going to actually end uh, right now. Well, guys, thank you so much. Michaela, doing a great job. Uh, are you in New York City? Um, I'm in sunny Orlando, Florida right now, so hiding from New York currently. But yeah, they're uh, Hide often. from COVID. Hide from COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, Brandon, you want to share your information? Yeah. Um, I, um, so I'm Brendan Lemon. You can check me out at brendanlemon.com and get my YouTube released comedy special there. Just pretty much doing the same thing that all the people you've, you know, all the other comics are doing during this time. And you have a book and, coming? Yeah, and I got a book coming out called The Power Bible, uh, co-written with um, William Petit, uh, who's a comedian and lawyer. And forward for that is written by James, James Altucher, which is pretty pretty great. I'm excited about. Or tune into the podcast, The Madness Continues. He's a good writer, Altucher. Yeah, he's great. He's a great and a funny. He's a pretty funny comic, too. Marina Franklin, the one and only. We can't hear you, Marina. Your mic went off. 
Oh, there you go. <laughs> just, just pantomime it. Oh, still okay. going, Marina. Ma Marina Franklin, and we can hear you. Uh, you can listen to Marina Franklin uh, podcast, Friends Like uh, Like Us, and you can listen to it everywhere, including iHeartRadio. And uh, you can watch her um, single black female special on YouTube and everywhere as well. Marina, you should have Coleman Hughes back on Friends Like Us. He's, he's done a lot of good stuff lately. Oh, that guy <laughs> no is one, so, he is, uh, I love listening to that guy. No one cares so, about where do, you listen, where do you listen to him? Uh, friends like us, of course. <laughs> oh, have you listened to him? No, I'm, he, no, he's a really, he's a really good friend of mine. Oh, Coleman is? That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah I love, I like his, his podcast he just started. Yeah. He's not he, amazing. He, no, he was no, doing no, it at the comedy so for a while. No, no, I'm likes him so much. Whatever. Uh, Michaela, can you share oh. information and people want to? Yeah, so my podcast is Blatantly Honest with Michaela Nichols. It's out every Monday night. And I would love to get you guys involved with our, our moon flight. So let me know how I can get you guys up to the moon. You can send audio clips, pictures, and uh, buy my book too, Blatantly Honest with Michaela Nichols. And, uh, can, can I have, can I have Oh, nice. Can, the coloring books are out as well, right? Yes. Yep. Those are on my oh. website or on the foundation, Blatantly Honest Foundation. Michaela, I, I, I messaged you, but I meant to message Marina. She said, can you hear me? And I said, no, it's awesome. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Got it. <laughs> uh, and Michaela, if you, if you come uh, to New York uh, to speak or anything, let us know as well. And I, uh -huh. I'm going to have, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, your, your, uh, your coloring book you were saying coming out when? Or they came out already? The coloring books are out. We have them also available in Spanish for those of, you know, our friends who speak Spanish. We're going to have it in Chinese as well. So those aren't, the Chinese one isn't, or Mandarin isn't out yet. So. Can, we have, can we have them Wait. in Hebrew? Because that would help a lot. Yeah. We're going to try to get Marina. it in, every, in everything. So. Marina, with my Jewish business skills and your access to people of color, do you think we could set up some kind of money-making opera money operation where we can get white people to get black friends? Like we could, like, like we could be the middleman, take a percentage. Anyway, like okay. Uber. I, I got to like go. Uber. <laughs> Uber caller. Oh, that'd be great. Um, too bad Marina can't talk. Uh, yeah. get, okay, bye. I have to go. My my kids are waiting. This is the best uh, bye, time everybody. in the I miss right. you, Marina. I love you. Bye. <laughs> Michaela, thank you so much. And uh, thank you guys. All, all the best for you. And uh, you know, let us know if there's. Any... What about if people want to help with the bullying? Do you have any any foundation, anything like that? Yep. So my foundation, it's a 501c3 called Blatantly Honest Foundation. We're working on developing a game that will be accessible and free for students across the country. Um, but right now they can still donate speeches, coloring books, or regular books. So. Or go to the moon. I mean, it's, yeah. all, it's all pretty exciting. And maybe we'll get a show uh, together with the uh, comedians and uh, donate the, the money uh, to... Uh, oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. That would be awesome. All right. Well, this is Live from America podcast. Thank you guys so much and have a great night. Thank Take care. You.